Welcome to the Luke Messiah Show. We now know that we're 12 votes short of being able to pass school choice in the Texas House of Representatives because there are 21 Republicans who will team up with Democrats to basically make sure that whatever teacher unions want goes. So Governor Greg Abbott, the school choice movement, and many others are now going to work to try to get more conservatives elected. But Dade Phelan and his team are also going to try to co-opt the school choice movement to keep themselves in power. And we're going to explain to you just how they intend to do that today. Let's get to the show. Well, I hope that all of you are going to have a blessed Thanksgiving this week. If you aren't spending time with your family or friends or people at your church, I would encourage you to reach out to some people and see what kind of gatherings are going on in your area. Because I guarantee you there are going to be opportunities to establish greater community for those of you who do have that. For those of you that have family and friends that you intend to spend time with, just remember that the time that you spend with them should ground you and remind you that there are things far more important than politics, definitely far more important than Texas politics. And that's one thing that I'm really thankful for. And we'll close the show out with a little bit more information or perspective on that issue. But we're going to start by talking about school choice because you have to understand that what happened this week was incredibly impactful when it comes to the Republican primaries that lay ahead. So let's break down what happened. First and foremost, you have to understand that Dade Phelan had to cave to the pressure of outside forces that were demanding that he stop protecting members in his chamber. And we reminded all of y'all countless times that Dade Phelan really was done protecting members as speaker the second he decided to impeach Ken Paxton. That was the worst, we call it, uh, a way of cutting up the members than I've ever seen any individual member do you know, moderate establishment types used to criticize Tony Tinderholt and Matt Rinaldi and Jonathan Sticklin and all these various different conservative lawmakers. Every time they would push conservative policy, they would say things like, stop cutting us up. And the implication was, you're making us take these votes that are going to make everybody in our district hate us. So you're cutting us up. Your attempt to amend conservative policy onto moderate legislation is cutting us up. And then the speaker said, hold my beer probably literally. And he went in and said, you're going to all vote to impeach the Attorney General, Ken Paxton. The worst way of cutting up his members than I've ever seen an individual member do, let alone a Speaker of the Texas House. So we know the Dade feeling kind of already stopped protecting his members, which is typically the way speakers see their role. Part of their responsibility that they would articulate to the members is, I'm going to protect you. Well, the problem here is that the governor... And other school choice forces, a lot, a coalition of people who are done placating to teacher unions said that if you don't let this vote happen, then you are to blame. We are going to blame you for killing the policy. And this is like a hot potato. And Dave Phelan's hands are really hot right now. So he just couldn't afford to hold on to that. And he threw it in to the chamber. And then 21 Republicans voted with the Democrats to kill that policy. 21 Republicans. And let's talk about who they are. Those Republicans were Steve Allison, Ernest Bales, Keith Bell, Dwayne Burns, Travis Clardy, Drew Darby, Jay Dean, Charlie Guerin, Justin Holland, John Kempel, Ken King, Kyle Casal, Stan Lambert, 
Andrew Murr, for Price, John Rainey, Glenn Rogers, Hugh Shine, Reggie Smith, Ed Thompson, and Gary Van Dever. 21 Republicans. So 63 Republicans voted to advance school choice policy. And then 84 votes were taken, 21 of those being Republicans and the rest being Democrats to kill the policy. Now, what do we take away from that? Ultimately, Dade said, look, y'all are going to have to pick, pick your policy, pick your position, and I'm going to let the forces have at it in March. And so you see these various Republicans who took this position. Many of them are more rural Republicans and more liberal Republicans. The other interesting thing is that several of them are not coming back already. So some of these guys are literally people who aren't coming back. They don't support the policy. They're likely to be replaced by people who are for school choice. And that would include Ed Thompson, for Price. Um, there's one other one here that I don't see, but at least for Price and Ed Thompson. Oh, and John Rainey, who actually authored the amendment himself. So from College Station, from Amarillo and uh, from the Houston area. Friendswood is where Ed Thompson represents. So those three Republicans are good examples of three people that are probably, I mean, they're definitely not coming back. They've already announced that they're not coming back and they will likely be replaced by more friendly school choice votes. Every single Republican freshman in the legislature voted for school choice. So you kind of see this generational wave happening and a lot of these people who have been here for a while and were elected with teacher union votes are still holding on. It's these, you know, kind of this last remaining vestige of the teacher union coalition in the Texas House. This is what we're trying to get rid of. I've told you that we're trying to get rid of it. But here's something I want to explain to you, which is that Dade Phelan's team is very, very, very desperate. And so they are going to be trying to co-opt the school choice movement into actually using all their time, talent, treasure, and resources to help them keep their power. How? See, for full-spectrum conservative Republicans, we know that the problem in the Texas House is that we have a small group of Republicans who team up with Democrats to pass liberal policy or to kill conservative policy, okay? And some of those liberals overlap with these 21. Ernest Bales, Ken King, Justin Holland, Glenn Rogers, some of them overlap with this group here, Hugh Shine. But some of them don't. Y'all might remember the episode I did that I talked about all of the Republicans, the 11 Republicans who voted to allow social transitioning to happen, even at hospitals, were giving massive government grants to. When Tony Tinderholt said, hey, I just want the government grants that go to these children's mental health facilities to only go to facilities that aren't transgendering kids. And then guess which 11 Republicans said no? J.C. Jatan. Well, that guy voted right on school choice, but he also voted to trans the kids. Angie Chen Button voted right, but wrong on this one. Stan Kitzman, Stephanie Click, Carl Tepper, Angelia Orr. Again, these are Republicans that voted right on the school choice issue, but also voted to sexualize children. 
Now, the good news is there's overlap, which shouldn't surprise you. If you're for the teacher unions, you're probably bad on other issues like Drew Darby, Kyle Casal, Hugh Shine, Ernest Bales. So as you can see, if the school choice lobby spends their time going after those 21 and trying to replace them with as many school choice advocates as possible, they will be literally moving the chamber in the right direction. We talked about all those Republicans who voted to keep, uh, basically to like exempt the death penalty for most mass murderers or many mass murderers, I would say like 30 to 40% of mass murderers can no longer get the death penalty if we pass this radical policy that the Texas Senate killed. And the 18 Republicans that voted to do this include Brad Buckley, chairman of public education, Dustin Burroughs, Drew Darby. Again, as you can see, Darby, kind of a trend here. Charlie Guerin, bad. But it also includes Republicans like Lacey Hull, J.C. Jaton, Stephanie Click, Jeff Leach, Ellen Troxclair. Or what about the impeachment of the Attorney General of the state of Texas, unelecting our statewide official? Now, again, fortunately, the vast majority of those 21 Republicans who voted against school choice also voted to impeach Ken Paxton. So as you can see, there is a huge opportunity for a conservative coalition of people to get behind reforming the Texas House in a way that benefits students, parents, the kids trapped in public schools, and the kids getting sexualized, while at the same time maintaining law and order, while at the same time respecting the will of the voters over the will of a tyrannical leadership team that believes they should be the ones that decide which statewide elected officials get to keep their position. The path is very simple, but what is Dade Phelan going to do? The American Federation for Children's Super PAC, which is a big school choice super PAC, in early November announced their first round of endorsements. And they announced in that like Greg Bonin, who's the chairman of appropriations, but also doesn't have a primary opponent right now. Dustin Burroughs, Briscoe Kane, Cody Harris, Cole Hefner, Matt Shaheen, Brad Buckley, James Frank, and JC Jaton. Now, again, here's what you have to understand about single issue groups. They are focused on their issue, okay? They are focused on their issue and they should be. So if you meet a pro-life group, they should be focused on the life issue. If you meet an education reform group, they should be focused on the education reform issue. If you meet any and all people who say, this is my issue, medical freedom, focus on medical freedom. But here's how Dade Phelan will try to co-opt the school choice movement into keeping his power. J.C. Jaton's a perfect example of a very liberal Republican. He's one of the most 10, 10 most liberal Republicans in the Texas House. He's voted wrong on so many issues. So what J.C.'s hoping to do is say, well, I'm good on school choice, so maybe the school choice people will spend all this money trying to keep me in the chamber. Here's the problem. J.C.'s opponent, also for school choice. So there's literally no difference whether this liberal guy who is advocated for the sexualization of children through the transgender ideology is reelected. If that guy's reelected or he loses, school choice still has one vote. He's not being opposed by some teacher union guy. 
But what leadership will do is say, hey, if y'all really want us to get behind you, which by the way, our version of getting behind you is delivering 63 votes. And not only that, Dade Phelan had to recognize for price to shut that debate down. Conservatives get up all the time and ask the speaker, hey, can we make this motion? And he goes, no, you're not recognized. Four Price gets up and says, I want to make a motion to shut all this school choice stuff down. Dave Phelan goes, go ahead. I'll recognize you. But he'll come and say, hey, all you school choice people, y'all need to spend all your time, talent, and treasure keeping my people in power. It doesn't matter if Cole Hefner's primary opponent is for school choice. It doesn't matter if Briscoe Kane's primary opponent is for school choice. It doesn't matter if Ellen Troxclair... James Frank, Jason, I don't even think James Frank has an opponent, by the way. I'm just throwing names out at this point. But I'm telling you that the school choice movement, lobby, and donors are going to be heavily courted by leadership in an attempt to try to tell them, spend your money uh, on races where both people are for school choice. That's what they're going to do because they cannot have these guys only focus on actually the votes that matter because that alone will not maintain their power structure. They're okay if the votes aren't there for school choice next session. Dade Phelan's not upset. My position where, with Dade Phelan on, on this issue has always been that Dade Phelan doesn't care if school choice passes, he doesn't care if it fails. What he cares about is whether he's speaker. And what Dustin Burroughs and Greg Bonin and Cody Harris and Briscoe Kane and these guys care about is whether they are still the leadership structure. You have to understand that Dade Phelan has various factions underneath him. And probably the largest faction is kind of led by Craig Goldman, Greg Bonin, and Dustin Burroughs. And then they have many Cardinals, Cody Vasut, Briscoe Kane, Cody Harris, and various different people. J.C. Jaton is a good example of people that fit under their general leadership structure, the faction that is underneath Dade Phelan. That faction is going to work very hard to try to co-opt any and all conservatives across the state to say, hey, whatever you do, we are going to try to encourage you to do everything you can. And their number one priority is making sure they maintain the power. Now, here's what you as a conservative need to focus on. You don't care who's in power. Your job is not to keep anybody in power. Your job is to hold accountable liberal Republicans who vote outside of the conservative principles that they've committed to standing for. That's what we do. And that's what we always do. And sometimes that aligns with different special interests. And that's okay. It's actually a good thing. That's how you build coalitions. That's how you build teams that can advance and move the Texas House in a rightward direction, which we all know we need. The media has an agenda, and having seen behind the curtain, I can tell you it's not what's in your best interests. That's why I started the Salcedo Storm podcast every weekday. Real talk. For Real Texans, the Salcedo Storm podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. In closing, I'm going to tell you what I'm really thankful for. Because Thursday, I'm going to get together with my grandparents. I, I, Sunday afternoon, I got to go over to my grandparents' house. They're in their 80s, and they had a, a little gift for my son. Uh, yeah, his birthday was like, I don't know, five, six weeks ago. 
So they had a little birthday gift that he had still yet to open. And the whole time I was cleaning up from church, he's like, can we go? Can we go? At one point, he was literally just like pushing me out the door so that he could go see his great grandparents. Now he knew there was a gift on the other side of that visit. So that probably motivated him. I'm pulling up to their house and he actually says, hey, why don't you just drop me off? He's four. And he goes, why don't you just drop me off? I said, no, I think I'm gonna come. And he goes, you don't need to come in. I said, what are you planning on doing? He's like, just drop me off. I'm gonna stay here for a little while. And so I got to go in and my great, my grandmother, his great grandmother, we call her Grammy, took him upstairs and played with him for an hour and a half while I sat down next to my grandfather. I call him Papa and we chatted for a little bit, caught up on how his church is doing and how life is going and what the rest of the fall is gonna look like and what my year looks like and a little bit of politics here and there. But I will tell you what I'm grateful for. I am grateful that much of my life is outside of politics. I live and breathe politics a lot, whether it's on Twitter or in my email inbox or listening to podcasts or watching shows or getting texts and called constantly. This weekend, I was in the Rio Grande Valley speaking to conservatives down there, was really encouraged. I'll tell you one thing. I woke up Saturday morning and SpaceX was like, blasting off a rocket. I did not know this and I was really close to SpaceX. And so I woke up and every like my all these shutters in my room were shaking. And I thought either there's a tsunami or an earthquake or some this is something's going on. I don't know what's going on. So I walk outside and I don't feel any like sh- ground shaking. I'm like what is going on? And then I look up in the sky and all I see is this massive massive cloud of, you know, that had come behind the rocket. I did not see the rocket, which stinks, because I think if I had walked outside maybe 30, 45 seconds before, I would have. So I'm, I'm uh, politics is a lot of my life, the vast majority of the time that I spend. But just because it's the vast majority of the time that I spend due to the vocational calling I have, it doesn't mean that my life is politics. And so what I'm really thankful for is the Sunday afternoons with my Grammy and Papa. I'm thankful that on Thursday I'll be with 40 family members. I'm thankful that on Friday I will be in San Antonio. I'll continue to be in San Antonio with my wife's side of the family. I have four of my six siblings that live within 15 minutes of my house. My wife has six siblings that live within 15 minutes of our house. Three weeks ago, our church actually officially formed. We've been part of a church plant for the last two and a half years that was able to officially form as our own church separate from our sending church, which takes time. There's so many opportunities to serve, to be served. I'm grateful that so many of these aspects of my life are actually outside of politics. The last four or five weeks, there's just increasingly more people who are hell-bent on spending time out of their day on a regular basis, basically lying about me, lying about other people around me. And you just kind of get reminded that this is a lot of people's life in politics. This is consuming them. And I'm just really grateful that I get to spend a lot of my life outside of politics and that the things that matter most to me are outside of politics. May God bless you. And may God bless Texas. 
Thank you for listening to the Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.